Welcome to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope this podcast encourages you, challenges you, and furthers your relationship with God in a whole new way. Enjoy this week's message. Wow, great job, worship team. Wasn't that great? Woo, praise the Lord. That was amazing. That was super. Well, I was going to actually start the day off by just flashing a picture up but the internet was down, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was a very important picture. It was of my granddaughter at her dance recital yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that is important. I'm sorry you guys missed it. I just wanted to do it for your sake, amen? <laughs> so it's really great to be with you this morning in this cool weather. I don't know what happened, but anyhow, it cooled down on us. And some of you are happy, some of us aren't. But... Um, <laughs> I, I think most of you are happy. Are most of you happy? Oh. I like the heat. I'm with Joaquin. I like the heat. Amen. Um, of course, in uh, three more weeks, Pastor Gwenmar will be back. I know we're excited about that. Amen. And um, I think they're, we're going to be seeing them tomorrow, trusting that they're continuing to progress in their healing and they're working forward in all that they're going through. So keep praying for them. Sometimes we kind of get out of sight, out of mind, right? And so just remind yourself to pray for Pastor Glenmore and Pastor Yolanda during this season of time. Three more weeks um, will be Pentecost Sunday, which of course is the celebration of when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and in essence the church began. I don't know if the church began then or when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'll have to leave that to some other theologians. Maybe John or Pastor Lewis can help us figure that out. But, but I do know that the day of Pentecost was obviously a very pivotal moment in all of history. It's a very pivotal moment. So I wanted to do a couple of messages leading up to that. Um, when Pastor Wimmar is here, he's going to start a brand new series. He's already working on a whole series, so praise the Lord for that. So I wanted to give just kind of an introduction to that. So John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 15 through um, 18. Then we're going to flip over and read a, a verse in John 16. And then we're going to talk about the parakletos. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't know if it's parakletos or parakletos. Which is it, John? <laughs> It depends on what? Okay, so we're just going to go with Parakletos because that's what I have always called him. I just noticed the other day when I was doing some studying that it looked like the E was long, and I thought, hmm, have I been saying it wrong for 50 years? I don't know. So, but just, I'm going to plead ignorance and continue on. So Parakletos is what we're going to talk about today. John 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is, of course, Jesus is speaking to his disciples just before his crucifixion. So I'm going to keep that in mind, that this is, I mean, this is kind of like the crash course, the final hours before Jesus is crucified. And, and this is what he chose to talk to them about. So kind of keep that in mind. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. If you read the old King James, it says comforter. Um, some translations use the word advocate. And I believe that helper is probably the most accurate word. And I'll talk a little bit about that. 
that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Then flipping over to John chapter 16, in verse um, 12 and 13, it says, I, ha I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, they couldn't really hear it yet, even though it was Jesus doing the telling. Now that, to me, is rather amazing. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Father, I pray you help us today. Hear what it is you want to say to us. I believe that you do have a word for us today. I ask you help us to hear it, to be changed by it, to respond to it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're one of those rare people who actually downloads the notes and follows along with the notes, I need to tell you that the notes have changed. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I've, so you have points one, two, and three. Those are now points two, three, and four, and I have another point one. And point one, I just, the more I thought about it, I felt like I needed to talk a little bit about the word parakletos in general, because I think it has a whole lot of meaning for us that we need to kind of understand before we move on into the message. But even before I get there, I want to talk a little bit about how important this topic is. Here is Jesus, the last few hours before he is crucified, and what he chose to talk to his disciples about mainly was the coming of the Holy Spirit. He did talk about some other things in John 15. He talked about abiding in him and he in us. But mainly he talked about the working of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's so critical for us to understand that because, and hear what I'm going to say now. I don't want anyone to feel offended. Hopefully you won't feel offended. But I think that for many of us, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit is kind of almost secondary to us. In fact, I think we think of the coming of the Holy Spirit as rather optional. Well, we want to get saved, we want to give our hearts to Christ, and then, you know, if you feel like it, you might want to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that's really not the way the Scripture presents it. The Scripture presents the coming of the Holy Spirit as vital and as critical and as, as important, I believe, as moving into salvation. It's all part of the same thing. In fact, all throughout Scripture, God has longed for, has desired, I guess you should say, to be present among his people. If you go back to the Old Testament and you read the story of the people in the wilderness and they're camping out in the wilderness and, and, the, and the tribes were... We're all, they were in a huge square, and in the middle of the square was the tabernacle. And that God's glory and presence could be right there among the people. And when they dedicated the tabernacle, it says the glory of God filled that tabernacle so completely and so powerfully that even Moses could not stand before that. 
that he was just overwhelmed with the presence of God coming and dwelling among them. And the very same thing happened when they dedicated the temple. I did find it very fascinating, however, that when they, after the children of Israel had gone into captivity and they'd been in exile for 70 years, they returned back to Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple. And when they dedicated that temple, there's no record of the glory of God filling that temple. It's like, wow, what is that? And I believe we see that fulfilled here at Pentecost, where the people are now, the glory of God comes and dwells among, not in a building, but in his people. And we become the temple of God. And I'll talk about that next week. In John chapter 1, John the, the Baptist was baptizing, and he saw Jesus, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, who does what? takes away the sin of the world. And then immediately following that, he said, he is the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So the very same breath, he takes away the sins of the world and he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So it's very critical that it all goes together. And so what I want us to do today is to first of all, just kind of shake ourselves and realize that the coming of the Holy Spirit is not somehow less than, it's not optional, it's not secondary, it's critical for all of us. In, in one of my classes, the person work of the Holy Spirit, last year, the young man, we'll call him Larry because that's his name, um, <laughs> he, he, uh, I asked the class, what, what do you think about the Holy Spirit? And Larry, it's a profound statement, I think. In fact, I've written it down, and I share it with all of my classes now. But he said, I feel like the Holy Spirit is the one who's the most active in my life and the one I know the least about. <laughs> wow. Now, it, it just gives me chills even now. But wow, that is so powerful. The one that's most active in my life and the one I, I know the least about. So, so all of that just to say, I believe it's critical and important for us to understand that who, who and what Jesus was talking about here in John chapter 14. So let's, let's get into it now. The parakletos, that was all the introduction. That's a long introduction, I know. My, I just taught a preaching class and I told them, do short introductions, and I just did a long introduction. So, but I can do that because I'm the teacher. So, um, so, <laughs> So, um, the parakletos, what is that? Well, it's a Greek word, and I have said before, you have heard me say before, if you remember me hear, hearing me say it before, but words matter. I believe that God was very specific in the words that he chose in the writing of the scriptures, every single word. I don't know how many words are in the Bible. I know someone's counted it, but not me. There's a lot of words in the Bible. And I believe every single one was specifically chosen by God. And the word parakletos actually only refers, only in the New Testament refers to two people, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so it's a very critical word. And what does that word mean? Well, in Greek, in, the, in classical Greek thought, it basically meant kind of, it was kind of a legal word. Someone that was, was pleading someone else's case. But it's interesting how the New Testament did. The New Testament authors, they co-opted Greek words and kind of gave it their own meaning sometimes. 
And that's what they did with Perikletos. And what they did with Perikletos, it wasn't this passive sense of someone pleading someone's case, but it was someone that was called in um, actively to, to actively give aid, to actively support, to actively help. And that's why I think helper is probably the best word. Comforter in the old King James probably meant, probably meant more than it does now back then when it was written. I mean, now it's just kind of like, oh, bless your heart, bless your heart. That's kind of what we think of when we think of when someone comforting. But it really is someone coming alongside to give us help, to give us strength, to support us, to actively help us. And when I think about help, the very first thing that comes to my mind is how the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Scriptures. He illuminates the scriptures to us. He brings them to light for us. Jesus said in John 14, right past where we just read, in verse 26, well, let me find it. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my... And by the way, that's why I know it's the Holy Spirit, because this identifies him as the Holy Spirit, right? So in case you're thinking, well, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, right there it is. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to be our teacher. He's going to be the one that brings to remembrance the things that Jesus himself has said. He's going to be the one that's going to illuminate the scriptures to us. One of my favorite passages of the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 14, somewhere in there. And in that passage, it says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. In fact, it hasn't even entered into our brains. We can't even begin to fathom what it is that God has provided for us. Humanly, it's impossible. We cannot get it. But, it says, God has revealed them to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us understand everything that God's done for us. I mean, you can read the Bible and you can understand the words on the page, but you can't understand the heart of the message without the Holy Spirit bringing illumination to it and helping us understand it and making it come alive for us. You need the Holy Spirit to help you understand the Scriptures and to know the heart and mind of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, another passage where it talks about God, pray, Paul is praying that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that we would know him better by the spirit and that literally the eyes of our understanding, it says, would be flooded with light, is the literal translation, flooded with light, that we would understand the things of God. So the first thing I think about when I think about the parakletos, the helper, is the Holy Spirit helping me understand God and his word. The Holy Spirit helps me do that. The second thing I think about is he guides us. I, I love the story in Acts 16 because it just gives me hope because the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, was missing God's will. Now, that ought to give you hope because, I mean, ever, one of the greatest struggles we have is how do I know what the will of God is for my life? How many times do we ask that question? And it is sometimes a struggle. And the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, missed it. Twice, not once, twice. He was trying to go the wrong direction, two different times, and it says the Holy Spirit forbade him. He said, no, you can't go that way. 
And then, and I don't know how the Holy Spirit did forbid him, but he knew it was not the way to go. And then through a dream, he was finally made aware of how God wanted him to go. So the Holy Spirit helps us by guiding us. The Holy Spirit helps us by helping us live holy lives. In Galatians chapter 5, it, it's this, this whole passage of Scripture of all these very gross and perverse works of the flesh. All the things that we do when we're just given over to our fleshly desires. And then it lists works of the, the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the wonderful fruit of the Spirit. And then it begins that passage in verse 17 by saying, if we walk in the Spirit, we will what? Not fulfill the works of the flesh. So the Holy Spirit helps us live holy lives. Amen? And one final thing that the Holy Spirit helps, there's a lot of things He helps us do, but I'm just going to mention four. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. Romans 8, 26, wonderful scripture. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit Himself prays through us with groanings. We can't even put it into words. He groans through us. He prays through us. And He prays, it says, according to the will of God, the Father. He helps us pray according to God the Father's will. <laughs> so those are just four ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And of course, ultimately helps us become witnesses for Christ. Amen? So make sure you join uh, Sister Frida's class and then couple that with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be great witnesses for Jesus. Amen? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the parakletos, that was the added in um, point that I had, and now I want to talk about what Jesus had to say about the parakletos. He said three things. He said, number one, that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, he doesn't say it that way, but I'm going to show you that he means that. Number two, he shows us that the Holy Spirit is a person. The parakletos is a person. He's not a force. He's not a vague something. He's a person. And thirdly, he shows us that the Holy Spirit's going to indwell us. So those are the three things that he shows us about the parakletos. Let's look, number one, at the fact that he, that I believe he's showing us the Holy Spirit is, in fact, God. So he begins by saying, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. And so what Jesus does is he introduces us to the Trinity. So clearly, it's a beautiful picture of the Trinity. And so if, when, he, when he says, I'm going to pray the Father, the Father is going to send you another helper. And then, of course, we saw in verse 26 that that helper is the Holy Spirit. He, what he's saying is we're all the same. We're, we're all equal. And when he says, I'm going to send, he's going to send you another helper, another just means another. But, but when you take it in context, He's saying, I'm going to send someone who's going to be able to do what? Take my place. I'm going to send someone who's going to be able to fill my shoes to do what I've done, to be who I've been to you. Another one just like me is what he's saying. And to be just like Jesus, you've got to be God, right? you got you got to be God. And so 
he, he, he is showing us here the Trinity. The Father, he's doing the praying, and the Holy Spirit's the one coming. So you have this beautiful picture of the Trinity in, in, this, in this one little verse. And he's showing us that the Holy Spirit is not just, um, well, let me rephrase that. He's showing us that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, equal to himself and able to take his place. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is actually all throughout the Old Testament. It, we, we, sometimes we have to look for him, but sometimes he's just right there. But it's, it's fascinating to me that the Holy Spirit is in the second verse of the Bible. Right? It's not like, well, I think there's a spirit. Well, it just says it. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the earth was without form and void and darkness was in the face of the deep. And what? The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. The Spirit of God moved. Right there at the very beginning, we see the Holy Spirit actively present in creation itself. The Holy Spirit is involved in creation. So he is God. Then you see that all through the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you see it very clearly as well. In fact, one of my favorite stories, it's not favorite stories, one of my most puzzling stories is Acts chapter 5. It's when um, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they decided they're going to um, pretend that there's something that they are not. And so people were like selling, they had extra properties, extra houses, they were selling it. They were bringing all the proceeds in. They were giving it to the church. The church was distributing it to those that had need. And Ananias and Sapphira evidently liked the attention that that was bringing to those that did it. And so they had a piece of property, and they sold it, and, but they kept back part of it, which was okay for them to do if they would have been honest about it. But they pretended like they were bringing it all. And so... Ananias comes in, brings it to Peter, says, I sold my property. This is what I sold it for. Here's all the proceeds. And Peter said to him, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To the Holy Spirit. And then he has a few words to say to him. And right after all this, poor Ananias drops dead. And he says then, you haven't lied to men, but you have lied to God. First he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, but then he says, you didn't lie to men, you lied to God. And he uses Holy Spirit and God interchangeably. Which to, evidently, Peter, now, you know, maybe Peter had it wrong. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe, but he, Peter at least, thought the Holy Spirit was God, right? And so we see here that when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, what are we talking about? We're talking about being filled with God, that we have God coming and living on the inside of us. And I'm going to talk about that at the end of the message, more about that next week. But we're talking about the Holy Spirit is God. And then he shows us also, and I think this is hugely important. Everybody with me? We need a seventh inning stretch. You guys are okay? I'm kind of like going really fast here. I'm sorry, but this is exciting stuff. So 
Now he shows us the Holy Spirit as a person. And I think that's hugely important. I think a lot of times we just have this very, very vague idea about the Holy Spirit. We kind of think of him as a force. In fact, one time I remember, to my great chagrin, um, when I was preaching when I was very young, and I was talking about the Holy Spirit being like a fog that fills the room. I just, I wish I could go back and rewind that and take that out. But anyhow, <laughs> he's not a fog, folks. <laughs> he's a person. <laughs> He is a person. Jesus said this, I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper, that what? He may abide with you forever. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus... Now, you know, Jesus, I don't think, was confused. And he called the Holy Spirit, he. I, I really don't feel badly if you say it around me, but it just bothers me when we refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He's not an it. He's a he. Amen? He's, he's a person. He, he, he has feelings. In fact, the Holy Spirit has actions that only a person can have. He convicts us. He guides us, right? He counsels us. He gives us strength. That's not something a vague force could do. That's something a person does. He has feelings that a force doesn't have. He, he can be insulted, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. He can be blasphemed, Matthew chapter 12. He can be grieved, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30, so he has feelings, he has emotions, and that kind of bothers some of us, but that's okay because we are created in God's image, and so since we have emotions, God has emotions as well. In fact, the Bible talks about God being angry, etc. But the Holy Spirit has emotions that a force or a vague something can't have. Only a person has those things. You see what I'm saying? Why is that so important? Well, I think it's important for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 14 has this amazing passage of Scripture. says that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The fellowship. So we have this amazing fellowship with God via the person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God the Father is, I'm not sure where he is, but he's somewhere. I mean, he, I'm not sure where heaven is. I, I have pondered on that. Um, Jesus, as far as I can tell, limited himself to a body for all of eternity that was part of the price he paid. And that may be a disagreed point by some of you, but I, that's the best I can tell. And the Holy Spirit, though, is with us. He is the one with whom we fellowship. Of course, we've, when we fellowship with him, we fellowship with all three because they're one. And this, I don't have time to get into discussing the Trinity. Just take my word for it right now, right? <laughs> Maybe another message we'll talk about that. But, but when we fellowship with him, we fellowship with all three. But he is the one with whom we fellowship. 
He is the one with whom we speak. He is the one that moves in our hearts. He is the one that touches our lives, the Holy Spirit. You see why it's so critical that we don't just kind of relegate the working of the Holy Spirit to some, some kind of secondary or even optional role? He's the one present in us and with us today. And then thirdly, Jesus let us know that the Holy Spirit would indwell us. He said he's with you, but now he's going to be in you. He's with you, now he's going to be in you. And the Holy Spirit, and I, I don't want to get too far into all this this morning because we're going to talk more about it next week, but um, we're going to talk next week about the, that the Holy Spirit doesn't just fill us individually, but he fills us corporately. And that's something I think that we've missed a lot. And I really want to talk about that next week. But he says, Jesus says, he, because it neither, the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And will be in you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, well, that whole passage in there, Jesus told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Go and wait until the promise of the Father comes upon you. Excuse me. And they went and waited. I believe, this is just my own personal belief, and I can't prove it, so it doesn't really matter, but I believe the disciples, they were ready to go out and start preaching right then. I mean, they, they had been cowering in fear, and they had seen Jesus crucified, but then they saw him resurrected. And they were like, oh, my God, I've got to tell people that Jesus is alive. And Jesus said, don't do it. Wait. Wait until you've been filled with the power that God has for you to be able to be his witnesses. And so that was what that was all about, waiting to be filled with the Spirit so they could then have the power to go out and effectively proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. When they, it says they were all with one accord, one place. The sound filled the room, and I'm going to talk about that next week. And, and then the Holy Spirit came upon and filled each one of them each one of them. So every single one of us have that promise of being filled up with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that we can be, all the other things I mentioned, that he can help us illuminate the scriptures to us, help us live holy lives, guide us, he can help us pray, he can also help us be powerful witnesses for Christ. So that's all I'm going to share today. I'm going to leave it right there. I just want to wait for next week. But here's, my, here's the bottom line, is that, number one, I want us to understand, and, I, you know, why we're only doing this at Pentecost, we should do it all during the year, but I want us to understand how important it is that we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. He is the present member of the Godhead. He is the one here with us and in us. Number one, I want us to understand that. Number two, I want us to understand 
the, the word parakletos is an important word. I mean, Jesus, when, when, well, when John wrote this, and I'm sure Jesus used it when he said it, I believe that 100%, that Jesus used this word when he was speaking. Um, of course, he probably spoke in Aramaic, so I'm not sure exactly what he actually said, but, but when John wrote it, he used this word, and God wanted him to use that word because he had a message he wanted us to get, that the Holy Spirit would be our helper and all that I shared that that entails. I think it's also important for us to understand, I'm just repeating the whole message, my apologies, but I want you to get it, and understand that, that the Holy Spirit is God. That he is as much God, now get this, he's as much God as God the Father. He's as much God as Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit is God. There's three in essence, there's one in essence, three in persons. One essence of God, three persons of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is one of those persons. He is God. You got that? He is God, and he is a person. He's not this vague force. He is a personable person who comes to us and fellowships with us. Amen? And he indwells us. Let's stand together. It's very early. Goodness. Melissa, are they going to be okay back there? <laughs> like, oh, they're already done. <laughs> I, uh, I really am not sure how I want to conclude the service. <laughs> Other than I think for some of us today has been new territory. You've never thought about it before. I went over it so fast, you probably need to think about it again and again. But, but I think it's probably new territory for some of us. I think some of you are like Larry, the one that's most active in my life and the one I know the least about. And so my hope was today to just help us at least get a picture of who and what the Holy Spirit is. And then ultimately to open our hearts to Him. Say, Holy Spirit, if you're the one who's actively working in my life today, I want to open my heart to you. Yes, please don't get me wrong. We're, we have Christ in our hearts. But He comes and dwells in us by the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who comes to us and fills us. So I'm gonna, I, I want you to, to open your heart and ask Him to come and to fill you. Ask Him to come and help you. Ask Him to come and fellowship with you, right? Ask Him to come and fellowship with you. Let Him know how much you need Him how much you long for Him, how much you long to walk in the Spirit. Amen. Would you right now, just as a point of uh, contact with the Lord, would you close your eyes, maybe even look up towards the heavens, but would you open your heart, maybe raise your hands, it's up to you, but 
when, I, when I'm praying a prayer like this, I like to lift my hands with palms up in a receptive mode. That's just how I like to do it. You don't have to do that, but it might help. That I can be receptive for the Holy Spirit to come. When we were singing the songs earlier, come and fill the room, I was thinking, oh, Holy Spirit, do that. I thought about Cornelius' household in Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still preaching, I would be happy to be interrupted like that. The Holy Spirit fell upon the room and every single person was filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, come to us today. I know you're here, you're present, but come fill us. Come help us. Come fellowship with us. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. If what you heard today impacted you, be sure to tell us about it. You can rate and subscribe to this podcast or contact us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or our website, calvarylifedfw.com. Thank you so much and have a great week.